from WBEZ Chicago and This American Life. This is Oh Brother, What Are We Watching? Two brothers discuss pop culture with a geeky bent. I'm Chris Jones. And with me as always is my brother Steve. Steve, how are you doing? I'm very monotone and very well. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. Okay, so today we are discussing um, we are discussing Serial, the podcast uh that achieved greatness uh probably a few years ago now actually um 2014 2014 and uh ahead of the times as always steve you have just listened to it yeah (laughs) so uh first question the one on everybody's lips what did you think of cereal what did i think of cereal Mm mm-hmm I think if you'd asked me after episode one or two, my opinion would be very different. Oh, okay. Um, Because it would have been a lot more negative. Uh Uh-huh. Ultimately, I see why people love it Mm -hmm. and downloaded it and were... uh, Why they were obsessed with it for so long in the story. But it's not for me. Okay, interesting. This is our first... Ah, I'm excited. So this is the first time we kind of disagree on something. So great! This will this will be an interesting experiment. Let's start with Sarah Koenig. What do you think of her? You've already uh, remarked on her monotone and her uh, mayhap deadpan delivery. Um, <laughs> what did what did you think of her as the host? The reason why it's, I said at the very start I would have a very different opinion was because after episode one and two, uh-huh. and I had uh, you know I, I was tasked with listening to it by yourself. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons why I was uh, not really keen to continue was her. <laughs> she has a style of delivery and she has a, a way with words, which is mm-hmm. rather informal. Yeah. Which I did not care for. <laughs> <laughs> I think thing, I, I, I can't explain it any other way. The, the way of describing like certain actions in this murder case as... Yeah, that was a bit weird. She had the Wiggins or something like that. <laughs> like I'm watching an episode of Buffy. <laughs> I, yeah. I, 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 I sat there in my car or when I was walking or whenever I had to cram these eight hours in. Mm-hmm. I, I just started shaking my head like, oh gosh, really? Just the way, the way that she delivered and she presented herself was at times really grating. Okay. Because <laughs> we're talking about presentation, right? So we're talking about things uh-huh. like her language and her phrasing, which really kind of <laughs> rubbed me up the wrong way. Yeah. Um, but there was also, for me, a kind of a... I, I think this is quite obvious. She had a lack of neutrality on the issue. Uh-huh. So therefore, she would spend time talking about both sides of the issues and areas which pointed uh, Adnan in uh-huh. a negative light. But she would very, very quickly go back to the positive side of the ledger, which always left me a little bit frustrated that she wasn't more neutral. Uh, and I don't know how you feel about that, but that's how I felt about her in terms of strictly as to what she brought from a presentation point of view. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think I find it, um, I think I found it quite amusing. I don't think it was always meant to be. Um, obviously, her style, like you say, you know, she's very, she, she can be kind of flat sometimes. Uh, and then, yeah, she'll, she'll just say something maybe inappropriately, you know, informal or, or she'll swear sometimes. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. whether or not it's, whether or not it's meant to, it, it had me in stitches every time when she'd just be like, I don't know. I wasn't sure about Jay. I felt like he was talking bullshit. And it's just all in that very flat radio presenter kind of tone. 
Um, so as time as time wore on, you just sort of put up with her. You didn't you didn't come to uh, you didn't come to enjoy Sarah Koenig's style. I I never got to enjoy her style. No. Okay, um, that's interesting. That's interesting. I, 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 I can see, as I said, I can see why a lot of people like the podcast for various reasons, especially if you've not listened to something like This American Life. Uh-huh. So it's that very NPR style, you know, there's a warm fire, it's a Sunday afternoon, and it's, yeah. it's told to you in a very languid kind of uh, relaxed style. Come on in. I've got yeah. a story for you. It involves a strange boy and a dog in Omaha. Yeah. And you're like, whoo, this sounds interesting. And Chapter one. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's a little bit offbeat or something. So... He uses that as a kind of jumping off point, and I think a lot of people who don't listen to that uh, would find this very unique. But I think there's other reasons which draw them in. That's not. It's not just related to that. It's a very informal style. Uh-huh. It's a very conversational style. You feel like she's there talking to you, and she's she just happens to be a journalist, but she's just talking to you like this. This guy got the Wiggins. It's a bit weird, but yeah. okay, I'll go with it. <laughs> it's a good impersonation. Um, I think as well, it's. I mean, obviously, that that kind of hits on something that I think is one of the reasons it was so popular. Uh, is yeah, it's that it's that conversational style. It's it's that informality, and you know, so many things in 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 modern internet based entertainments. That's kind of what people are looking for. People are looking for to to feel like they're they're hanging out. You know, they they don't want that sort of straight to camera formality. That that kind of uh, scripted nature of things. You know, they want to feel like they're they're sitting there and having a conversation with someone. That's why people like to sit and watch Let's Play videos, because they want to imagine they're in a room with someone watching them play video games. Uh, it's something you and I used to do uh, a lot. Uh, you know, they want, you know, they, they want these sort of hangout shows that, that are very, very popular uh, in, in podcasts and make up about 80% of what I listen to myself. You know, it's just people sitting, talking shit about a given topic. Uh, it could even be two brothers sitting and reminiscing over old times and uh, new entertainment that we're watching. The, the podcast is given to you in a very kind of conversational style, which kind of, for some people, will draw them in. I think where it left me cold in its style was because maybe, I'm not older, I'm not very old. I'm yeah, technically, old. I think technically I'm a millennial, but regardless, mm. for me, a piece of long-form journalism, which is what this is supposed to be, um, which could be presented in a radio format like Radio 4 or 5 Live or something. I just expect it to be delivered a bit more professionally, a bit more neutral, a bit more gravitas, maybe some more professional language rather than what Sarah Koenig gives us here. But it's undeniably uh, an intoxicating subject, which is true crime. And I think mm-hmm. that's a large part of why people were drawn into it. Um, and do you feel, so uh, you made a comment to me a few days ago that uh, that you view this as murder porn. Do you want me to explain what I meant by murder porn? Um, a little. <laughs> well, for, for, I, I think I know what you mean, but for the for the listeners. So I think a lot of listeners would call this uh, making a murderer true crime. Mm-hmm. It's a real piece of crime uh, told to you and, and it draws you in. And South Park <laughs> had done an ep- did an episode on this several years ago where the parents of south park are sitting around their tv at night basically getting off to it is the best way i could put it <laughs> they were sitting there watching it and it was like oh my god honey what's happened and it's like oh they've just found the knife oh yeah and, <laughs> and, and they're watching what and they call it murder porn and the, the the episode continues so it's always stuck in this household we call it murder porn we don't call it true crime yeah and it's just a bit of a joke 
So one of the reasons why I was a little bit hesitant to to listen to this was I originally downloaded it back in 2014 and it sat on my phone. All of season uh-huh. one and then eventually all of season two and I never listened to a single minute. Uh-huh. And the reason why was I had forgot about it. I was listening to other things and... To be honest with you, the subject matter is not something that I'm naturally a big fan of. I'm not a fan of true crime. Uh-huh. I don't watch those kind of shows. I'm not even a big fan of procedural uh, cop no. shows. So when people mm-hmm. come in on a whatever at work and say, did you watch Line of Duty, for example? I haven't watched a minute Yikes. of it. I haven't no. watched a Law and Order in years. I haven't watched a single minute of Broadchurch. And I'm probably sure there's a lot of people sitting there shaking their heads right now listening to this. Like, how could you not like Serial? How do you not watch those? But that's just the genres how, I how are you not watching season 25 of csi well you, you say that but there's a person who sits opposite me who the other day was talking to me about the virtues of ncis and oh, no. also i have show... no time for it no time for it but also a show called scorpion but this is getting away from uh-huh. from true crime i'm just saying i'm not a huge fan of of crime shows in general uh-huh. so the podcast sat on my phone for a long long time and i never dared to listen to it uh-huh. eventually I, emily was kind of into things like that and i said oh you've listened to serial she didn't she she listened to it she really enjoyed it she enjoyed season two less mm-hmm. yeah we'll talk about that in a bit but yes <laughs> and we'll talk about that in a minute um and but then she got into things like making a murder on netflix again something that a lot of people said oh you've got to watch making a murder and i haven't mm-hmm. watched a single minute of it and, and nor have i i must confess yeah and it's for me and this is a personal thing so it's not about the quality of the podcast we're, we're talking about but true crime just doesn't really do it for me and i don't know why so when people are saying uh-huh. oh it's intoxicating isn't it? you get to know the people and i'm saying well yeah it's also eight hours where they go into heavy detail about things like a flasher and whether he drunk certain types of drinks and what cell towers were pinging for what calls and to be honest with you i couldn't really keep up with it mm-hmm. but that's that that is what i was talking about with with murder porn it's it's a joke in this yeah. household but it's just something that emily is kind of into my wife i yeah. am i'm less into it now you see i i get where you're coming from and for me because uh, I, I i've i've sort of come across people using the term before murder porn as well and um you know for me it i i think of it in a derogatory sense but i think of it really is is referring to sort of quite cheaply made so, you know, there's always a voiceover guy being like, it was a small town in suburban USA, the kind where you would never lock your door at night, which is madness. If anyone listening to this doesn't lock their door at night, you're, that, that's just stupid, for starters. Or live in Canada. Or in Canada. Fair enough if you're in Canada. But yeah, you know, it's it's that kind of thing. It's procedural. It's the same kind of stuff. And either they tell you, and the crime is still unsolved today, or it's, you know, the type where... The police were stumped for months and they called a lucky break and, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's the sort of stuff, like, I used to watch it, but then, much like anything that's procedural, you know, as soon as I started to see the the patterns forming and, you know, I was able to predict within the first five minutes, oh, it's going to be the creepy guy that that works there. Mm. Um, You know, I don't care that they found exonerating evidence. It's going to be him (laughs) Uh, because it always is you know that's that's how i view those kind of shows and i i have no time for them uh you know anymore um and so i i too was a bit skeptical about serial and i came to it a little bit late and it was mainly just because i didn't want to be left out of the cultural zeitgeist as it were because you know i i was listening to a lot of podcasts 
where people were talking about it. Yeah. Uh, you know, they were referencing who listened to Serial last night. Wow. You know, and I was just like, oh, I want to know what everyone's talking about. <laughs> I want to be part of it. Um, and yeah, I suppose much like yourself, I probably was a bit skeptical first couple of episodes. And then I just, I got quite engrossed in it. Where it is, as you say, long form journalism, they're really going into it. You know, so it's not that quick skirted tour through what's going on, but but they're really getting into the nitty gritty. And it's not just about, you know, murder scenes and, and evidence and everything else, but it's kind of getting into the characters of people. Um, and, you know, really it's, it's less the story of the murder of Hey Min Lee and more kind of this, the, this, this sort of character study of Adnan Saeed. And I think what everyone likes about it is is the fact that you know we're 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 left with a, a, a mystery. Um, and everyone likes a mystery. Everyone likes to try and you know figure it out themselves and have a go at solving it. And you know we're we're left not knowing. You know no one knows for sure, and no one ever will know for sure. Uh, and for some people that's maddening, and you know as a way to tell a story is incredibly frustrating. For others like myself, uh, you know I I absolutely love it. What I would just add to that is it doesn't have an ending, the The podcast. is It goes on for 12 episodes. It's about eight hours long. It's a significant investment. Mm-hmm. And as you get to the final episode, I had guessed that we were not going to have an ending uh-huh. because it just couldn't be. There was too many back and forths and this could be this and this could be that. There could be a big judge in the case, but it always, it always felt like to me that she was talking to you and you were like, I've got a gotcha moment coming up right for you. Uh-huh. And then you're getting into the last episode and you just knew it wasn't going to happen. You're more just wrapping up the rumours and tiny little stories and and giving you an update and the, there's a possible appeal coming through. Uh-huh. But there was no ending. There was no... And it's For some people, that's going to be deeply unsatisfactory. Uh, I know what you're saying there, that you you don't mind not having an ending. You can kind of think, think about it. Because it's real life, though, yeah. I think people got into the journey of serial with the idea that oh well what's going to happen at the end there's going to be an ending it's a very american thing to have an ending at the end of a tv show or yeah or a podcast i guess or even a podcast and there just wasn't anything and i don't know i kind of felt a little bit cheated by it so that's interesting that's what i was about to ask you about um actually because that specifically when i was listening to people talking about the podcast the big thing became people talking about the ending and I managed to avoid any sort of spoilers, not that you could really spoil it. Um, but you know, a lot of people the, the general consensus I was getting as I was reading around the internet was people were disappointed because as you say, they want a definitive ending. But of course this is a real life story. Real life doesn't end. It yeah. just keeps going. And you know, specifically for us, you can tell as you're listening along, well, we'd know about it. If, if mm. this was going to end with, so then I was walking in the woods and it hit me and I went to the judge and I've, you know, Adnan is now free. We'd know this. It, it would have been in the news. And if it wasn't in the news, by the time Serial had started coming out, people would have researched it on the internet. Like, it, it would be out there. It would have all, everyone would have known. So we knew going in that Adnan must still be in jail. Uh, and therefore, the, the, the very most we were going to hear was that there was going to be an appeal so yeah it's difficult because it, it it takes you on a journey but the journey doesn't doesn't get to what you might call a satisfying conclusion 
and, and again, your enjoyment of the journey will vary. Obviously, you enjoyed it more than me. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I did go on a journey. I knew from the I knew from minute one how minute the, the last minute was going to end because they kept on going back and forth about it. It was like, well, he's possibly guilty, he's possibly innocent, he's a really nice guy, but there's a lot of shady stuff here, and back and forth and so on. And you can go through all the details. Honestly, there's so much detail in it. But the overwhelming feeling I had from the end of it was they probably shouldn't have convicted him, but he probably did it. Well, that that was that was going to be uh, the, the sort of million-dollar question I wanted to know. So you, so you think he did it? Oh, yeah, absolutely, 100%. But... I don't think he did it as the way it was portrayed in the court case. Therefore, I think he can get off. But um, I, I think he did it. You see, this is this is one of these occasions where you and I are entirely in agreement. Obviously, only from the, the evidence presented in the podcast. I'd say definitely the main point and, and what ties this to making a murderer, I suppose, more than anything else, is that the kind of the kind of thing it shines a light on is a kind of the the sluggishness and bureaucracy behind the legal system in that you know he's been in jail for what 15 years something along those lines mm-hmm. and this is you know has has maybe had three appeals in process uh in that in that whole time and that's been his entire focus while he's been inside is trying to appeal the case and you know likewise how anyone listening to it knew that you know, anyone with at least the working knowledge of the legal system knew that it wasn't like someone could go in and wave their iPhone and go, listen to this podcast, judge, and and you'll definitely acquit him because that's not how the legal system works. So it kind of shines a light on that and the fact that, you know, certainly for me, it was all on the jurors. There wasn't really enough evidence to convict him, even if you, you know, if you look at the cell tower, uh, the cell tower information, et cetera, et cetera. You know, there's more than enough room for for what we would call reasonable doubt. Yeah. Um, and yet the jurors uh, convicted him and they all openly admit in interview, you know, that they, they allowed them, you know, they allowed themselves to be prejudiced by things that technically well, you're supposed you to say, disregard. You say that, and I think that's very interesting. And I think that's, another, again, another reason why you and I maybe think differently and why the majority of people who have listened to this podcast really, really like it. So you're saying, ah, oh, the majority. Well, no, they didn't. They talked to maybe two or three. Mm, and you heard snippets from two or three and you heard Sarah's questions on some of those areas and then she would relay to you part of it and for me I, I guess I, I trust her mm-hmm. to an extent I mean I don't know her she's just a presenter on some show for all I know but you know I, I think I think the jury did uh, quit sorry the, the jury did their job to the best of their ability however they're normal human beings and they have normal human prejudices but I think more than anything, it was the fact they had a witness who said he was there. I saw the body. I saw the car. He did it then. The defense was basically, I can't remember what I did that day, which is pathetic. Well, I mean, I was I was thinking as well on the on the basis of um, that he didn't speak, uh, uh, at least until the end of his second trial, where, where he sort of got up and said something. Um, but, you know, again, she's interviewing the jurors and they're saying, you know, the judge will tell you specifically, you can't you know you can't look upon this prejudicially if someone chooses to exercise their right not to mm-hmm, take mm-hmm. the stand um and they're all going like oh no that definitely factored into it because i'm like if you're innocent get up and say so um and again you know that kind of highlights something that it's all very fine and well for a judge to sit there and say 
you cannot be prejudiced by that or you know even if someone some lawyer stands up and says something outrageous and then the other uh, objects uh, the judge is like right yeah you didn't hear that ignore it we can't ignore it we've already heard it you know which is why there was a mistrial in the first trial mm -hmm, exactly so you know it it sort of it sort of highlights some of the some of the issues in in the legal system yeah i think i think it reminded me a bit like last week tonight with john oliver in which he presents something to you which is very worthy and and in john oliver's case sometimes he does it very very funnily mm -hmm. very very funny uh however i also feel that sometimes john oliver just like sarah koenig in this podcast is guilty of one-sidedness yeah. clearly clearly favoring one side but bringing up the other side but then immediately with the second you know with her other hand maybe just dismissing it and saying you know something like there was a past note in one of the uh, episodes of the podcast a past note between adan and someone else and when it was presented at trial he had clearly kept the note and read on it i'll kill her or something like that, which yeah. was not on the note when the girl who was passing it with saw it, and she was shocked. Mm -hmm. And Kadig's immediately like, "Eh, that's nothing." And you're like, okay, <laughs> it might not. It's not. It's not. You know, it's not proof he did it. But where did it come from? <laughs> Why yeah. did he write it? Maybe it was more a case of there was that kind of bubbling animosity, and he actually was kind of hurt by it. But that's yeah. all kind of swept away because he's a nice guy and he's athletic and people like him. And every time I heard her go through that, I felt like saying every time he talked as well, I thought I've heard this kind of guy before when I went to school. And he's the, you know, he's popular and he can get away with anything because he's charming. Yeah. You, we all went to school with one of those guys, Chris, you know, mm. and he's like, he butter wouldn't melt. Yeah. And then when he did something wrong, he would get away with it. And I just know that person. I can just imagine sitting there in the jury going, <laughs> Guilty. Fucking sick. Guilty. Guilty. <laughs> just, with, yeah. just give me the give me the execution cap now. I'll be needing it later. Going back to my original point, I do uh, I do agree with you that you know all things being fair, he probably should have been acquitted. And uh, I don't know if you uh, have have sort of done any post podcast research uh, or anything, but a he, little. So he is getting uh, an appeal of sorts. Yes. Um, and I think it's a little bit beyond just um post-conviction relief but uh, i'm a little unclear on exactly what's happening because i'm pretty sure they don't just have a do-over so he's got i think he said it's got an appeal he is not on bail so he's still in prison mm -hmm. but that he will get be given a chance to quash his um original conviction and you know based on the balance of evidence i would say that he probably will get it quashed or at least yeah. if if, if this, the lawyers do a good enough job especially with all that came out of this podcast. However, I still think he did it. I just think it's different to how it was portrayed. And it was probably mm. because the main witness, Jay, probably helped him do it and probably wanted to protect himself. Yeah, and I am. That, that's <laughs> what I came out of it at the end of it. It was like, he probably did it, but he probably had help. And that's why, I mean, just, maybe, it's a tw maybe it's a 21st century thing, Chris, or... 2017 thing rather than a 1999 when this happened but the idea of giving your car and mobile phone to someone else is crazy what isn't it crazy yeah that's i mean i mean that's the thing i i went around in circles and i ended up exactly where i started after my second listen through because uh, as i said to you the first time i just sort of let it wash over me enjoyed the kind of um you know the 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 atmosphere of the show and and sort of followed along and and got to the end and i'd reached reached the conclusion that you had and then i listened to it again and yeah halfway through i'm going like 
but there's no way Adnan did this because because there's this and and Jay's acting like this all of a sudden and that's that's spurious at best and this and then by the end of it I kind of rolled around to the same conclusion again like ah he probably did it you know it's like that um I think it's Dana Chivers possibly one of the producers is talking mm-hmm. might even be in the final episode um yeah I think it is yeah and she's just basically like look who is that unlucky <laughs> You know, there's so much would have to have, you know, would would have to have happened to explain away the evidence we do have. And, you know, what I always come back to is the fact that Jay knew where her car was, something that no one in law enforcement did. So we can't dismiss him as just being a liar, which means, you know, and if you do try and do that, well, you have to then say, well, then Jay did it. Why would he do it? He has literally no motive. There's no reason for him to have done it. He doesn't seem like the type to have done it. So... Yeah, and to be honest, Adnan, as he comes across in the podcast, kind of sounds guilty. It's, it's, the funny thing is, she defends it by saying that, oh, he's very relaxed. He's kind of, I can't convince anyone. I'm just going to, you know, whatever. Yeah. He just sounds guilty to me. He just he just sounds like <laughs> someone who's completely at peace with the fact that he is guilty. And, and if he gets out, great. But do you know what? I, I honestly believe that there's a lot of lies on that day, uh-huh. clearly. And and because of that, actually, it should have got thrown out, but he didn't, and he got convicted. So it might end up that he got convicted for the crime, but not for the right reasons. That's yeah. the. I, and some people might be saying, sitting here saying that's ridiculous. It's all circumstantial, whatever, and it, it is. But at the same time, there's a lot of odd coincidences, and when you start to piece together actually the new information they got, it doesn't look great. So something happened. Yeah, and exactly, and and some of the most reliable stuff like um, the 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 alibi. It's like, well, it's one person who's pretty sure that she remembers seeing him on a certain day, but you know, if nothing else, that gives him an alibi for a certain time. But that time of death is only determined by the phone call that was made. That is something else that the the sort of <laughs> the de- the defense is trying to debunk. So. You know, it probably happened later in the day, and that explains everything. You know, there's, there's not, um, yeah, there's, there's. It would take a lot to convince me at this point that he was innocent. But you know, I love listening to it because re-listening to it, I started to believe he was innocent again. Um, but I think it's those final episodes start to twist me back towards. I think he probably did this, and um, with my ex, uh, my experience, I, I can't go too much into it, but um. As, as you're aware, Steve, and as some of our listeners are aware, I used to work with um, people who had been imprisoned mm-hmm. uh, and people who were about the age he was when he got imprisoned. And there was a very interesting trait that I started to come across that I think he really typifies. And it was essentially this. If somebody had done something and it could be committing the crime they were accused of, or in fact, it could be... Um, uh, committing some sort of infraction uh, within within the jail that would then lead them to be sort of sitting a, a sort of mini legal hearing. They would happily admit, as long as it was off the record, that they'd done it. Their issue was never, oh, I'm being punished for something I haven't done. They were always sort of like, fair cop, I did do it, but you can't prove I did it, so I shouldn't be getting punished unless you can prove it. Um, it, was, it, was never, it was never down to the, you know, the ultimate you know, is is justice being served kind of point. It was always simply if if I get punished for this, 
but I shouldn't have been punished despite having done it, then no, I'm not happy. And that's kind of what this smacks to of me. Like, he's pretty chill about the whole thing. And, you know, like you say, he sits there, he's sort of like, I don't know, man. Maybe I could convince you. Maybe I maybe I don't. Maybe no one will ever know that I didn't do it. But to me, it, it's, you know, his his drive for an appeal and, and what makes him angry, especially when he gets really angry when she says, no, I don't think you did it because you're a nice guy. He's yeah. like, no, fuck that. Think I didn't do it because the evidence isn't there or because there's evidence to suggest I didn't do it. And that's why he gets angry. And so she kind of takes a different approach to that or takes that in a different way. But the way I took that was like, oh shit, he definitely did this. And what he's angry about is that he shouldn't have been convicted <laughs> um, because there wasn't enough evidence. But, oh, it definitely happened. Who else would have done it, you know? Right, exactly. Yeah, I, I find his attitude weird, but then I'm not in prison and, and whatever. But you have at least worked with young offenders before, mm -hmm. Chris. You probably have a bit more insight into how that mind works. What I would say is I was never convinced by him anyway. Mm -hmm. I was never convinced by him. I, it's all very well to come in and say, yeah, he was the greatest kid and whatever, but none of us are perfect. Yeah. And all of us have been in situations where we think just one more thing and I'm going to flip out here. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's within the realm of possibility, considering what we do know that he did get in that car with her. It may not have happened at the time the, the state said um, when he got convicted, but it might have happened later in that night. And in which case, actually, it's, it's actually a lot worse yeah. because it then starts to match up. Um, and yeah, I, I just something all about it is off. But in terms of in terms of being addicted to the podcast, you know, you said that when you were listening to it again, you're getting into it and everything. To be honest with you, it, it the first four or five were tough sledding for me. It took mm. me a while. It, it really was like, oh, I'm going to have to listen to another one, aren't I? Okay. <laughs> and put it on. And then, but by about six and seven, as secondary voices were coming to the fore. Yeah. So, for example, they brought in a retired cop and, a, and, a, and another lawyer, for example. Mm -hmm. I started to kind of warm to it a bit more because... One, oh, I didn't have to hear Sarah all the time. Uh -huh. And two, because they were giving different perspectives, which was so important because just listening to her, I think, honestly, she would just let Adnan out tomorrow, mm -hmm. even though she says not. But yeah, she does have her own doubts. You know, she does She does say on, on several occasions, like sometimes she thinks there's no way. And other times she's just like, oh, I don't know, <laughs> maybe he did but do it. If, if I was to count, I would think over the overwhelming eight hours, 85% of the time, she's convinced he doesn't do it. Yeah, yeah, I think it's definitely true. And I mean, at least she never claims to be like an objective voice. Like, you know, we kind of know where she's coming from. And and that put my back up at the very start. And as I said, Chris, this would be a very different podcast we're recording if we'd done it after episode one or two, because I would, I was, yeah. I was in a rage. <laughs> I was actually like sitting there stewing. She, at the very start, she's like, "I'm not neutral, and I'm, I'm not even a crime reporter." And I'm like, well, "What the fuck are you doing? Why am I listening to this, Chris? What are you doing to me?" Oh, I'm just, I mean, she is a reporter, obviously, so she has Ooh. journalistic standards which come out over the twelve episodes. Yeah, but and honestly, she also has journalistic resources as well, and journalistic um, resources, which is and I think the main thing. A whole bunch of free lawyers, which she gets at one point as well. Yes, it's yeah. It was a, it was a 
it was a struggle to get through those first few episodes and uh, the non-neutrality kind of put my back up a bit but you see, that's I, that's i think i found the um i think i found the non-neutrality kind of refreshing in her openness about it um and it's i think it's because you know a lot of my time spent in in my my earlier years of university was was basically talking a lot about we can't you know if you're if you're a researcher of any kind you can't just all of a sudden count yourself as some objective being who is who is sort of standing above what he or she is researching and and casting a you know casting an unbiased eye over everything because everyone has biases everyone has an opinion and all you are saying is this is my account of what i'm researching this is my perspective on it that that's part of research these days is sort of being open about that uh you know so you know coming to something like this it would have got my back up a lot more if she was claiming to be objective and trying to give you every side of the story and you know at least she sort of says like oh you know this isn't my forte it's just an interesting story i want to share with you so uh just while we're on the subject of the the actual the content of the podcast and everything what did you think of adnan's lawyer what did i think of her well i, I don't really because these are real people i almost don't want to cast anything on them obviously I, she's hard... quite dead she won't be upset well well no but what, what i mean chris is that uh like listening to her screeching on the podcast like i didn't really want to listen to it uh but my viewpoint on her i don't really have a viewpoint in any of them like mm -hmm. i i'm not going to sit here and say oh my god what about jay or, oh my god did you, what do you think about asia i because there's so many people and characters and twists and not twists but so many people they talk to and and you know some have got their voices taken out and, and whatever yeah. to be honest with you chris i could barely keep up and sometimes i would need that narrator to come back and say oh you don't remember her this is the person from a couple of episodes back and they said they saw him in the best buy or whatever yeah so i don't really have any strong opinions on each of the like individual players other than mm -hmm. adnan to be honest with you yeah no that, but that's quite interesting because the it's just because the lawyer is the reason they finally granted his appeal um this the 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 success of the appeal was on the grounds of ineffectual legal aid delivered by his lawyer based on the fact that she didn't um attack the state's evidence on the cell towers and stuff i mean that was kind of always his argument but yeah well yeah but it's also a bit subjective because back in 1999 that was kind of taken but i don't know there was, there was a whole episode about the lawyer wasn't there and her yeah. issues or potential issues and then she died i don't know i yeah. don't know but okay so he's got an appeal he'll probably get off and he will claim another life i don't think he will <laughs> i don't think he will because i don't think he's a killer in that i same way that sarah doesn't think he's a killer but i think he killed someone yeah he he did something in well i mean that's what's difficult i can't really say it's in warm blood because for it to have happened there needs to have been some degree of of premeditation and i think it's i think you know what what we're getting at is 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 an interesting case like even you know even if you have no interest in in murder shows or the way it's presented it's interesting in so much as there's just so much to it every little thing and obviously this is kind of what i'm getting at by the way the, the show's put together as well every little thing kind of comes with a twist there's nothing that's clear-cut 
like, here's an alibi. But she refused to come forward, and actually she recanted. But then she unrecanted. And Jay's a bit dodgy, but actually he's cool. But actually we're not sure about him. Maybe it was five years of watching The Wire, but honestly, I don't feel the same way. I didn't feel like it was twisty-turny and like, oh my god, did you did you listen to Serial? He had an alibi, but then he recanted it. it. I didn't feel that way at all. I just kind of sat there and listened to it and kind of went, hmm, yeah. Well, this is a fuck-up of a case from episode one that's going to be a fuck-up of a case until episode 12. And sure mm. enough, at the very end, you've got Sarah Kinney going, so what's the ending? Shrug shoulders, don't know. Bye. Like, come back <laughs> next year. We'll be talking about not a murder. Yeah. So, I, I to be honest with you, I actually don't feel the same way at all because I just wasn't as entranced. And there's two reasons for that, I think. One is, as I've already said, I'm just not a big true crime person. Mm. And I'm not a big crime person. Like, I don't watch fictional crime. But the second thing, the reason why I don't like it is the voyeurism of it. And I think that, Chris, and maybe we can go on to speak about it. I haven't listened to it. But I think that's why people don't like season two as much as season one. Because season two was about something I remember actually seeing on the news. I saw and was listening to John... Oh, really? Well, yeah, because it was... uh, It was on The Daily Show and stuff. It was on The Daily Show and stuff, which I do watch. And uh, it was also, you know, BBC News and whatever, but about Bo Bergdahl and how he uh, left his position in uh was it afghanistan i think yeah and and so when that came out it's all of a bit of shock because i think everybody was expecting they'll do another true crime case uh that's yeah. been little reported on and dive into it instead they did this other thing which was right there in the public eye about a soldier who you know may or may not have left his comrades and an interesting thing i read on it today chris was that they said that the, the first one was the one that appealed to the masses, but the second one appealed more to the journalists for mm-hmm. the impact on it. But yeah. I haven't listened to the second one, so I can't really talk about it. But on the first one, I just felt a little bit dirty, like a little <laughs> bit like voyeuristic. Like, yes, it's kind of interesting that you can go really, really deep into these people's lives and, you know, who was doing drugs where and who was sleeping with who and um, let's read their diary god it's so yeah. personal it's so i just wanted to say just leave them alone i know i'm not saying there was no journalistic uh reason for diving into the case but because it was in a podcast form chris rather than even in a written form i've written i've read plenty of long-form investigative journalism uh-huh. but because it was presented in podcast form instead of it maybe taking you an hour to read this is an eight hour listen so they go into superb detail like you you, you can't fault the detail uh-huh. you can't fault the commitment to, to diving into the case but did it entrance me did it interest me well, it interests me a little bit but i kind of feel dirty for being interested in it and just reminded me why i don't like true crime oh this is this is absolutely fascinating to me it really is because i you know i i really really loved it and you know i, t- I take your point about the view the how it feels kind of voyeuristic because you know she's investigating something with maybe half an eye on who knows maybe i'll uncover some evidence that no one else has uncovered and maybe i'll i'll find something that ends up helping out and i'll get an appeal and frankly uh, i cannot help but feel that his uh, his appeal would not have been successful if it wasn't for the show not to say well done you've exonerated him just like the huge amount of public interest it generated i think will have had some sort of effect on it and will definitely have an effect you know on whether or not he gets out uh, you know i i personally believe but yeah you know i've never really felt like you know i never felt dirty or like oh oh i shouldn't know this about someone because 
you know, it's it it feels it it feels like there's a layer of abstraction for me because I don't know any of these people. I'll never meet any of these people. They all consent to have their information, you know, put across in this medium in one way or another. Because there are people who refuse to be interviewed, or uh, you know, refuse to talk on the record. So you know, I kind of figure like if you're going to put it out there, it's there to be listened to. But uh, yeah, yeah, I think. There is a, there is a, you know, for for the first time on this podcast, we sort of found a deep seated difference, uh, between the two of us, which is, uh, I don't know, maybe it's a, it's just a level of inquisitiveness I have, or my just absolute love of a mystery, but I I was so just completely entranced with this, and my, uh, like I quite enjoyed the second series of of a serial. To be honest with you, I know you're not going to listen to it anyway. I wouldn't recommend that you listen to it because if you didn't enjoy the first one, I can't see you enjoying the second one. Um, it's 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 fascinating to me, um, but I find it frustrating because I came straight off of like episode twelve. Who knows if Adnan did it? Maybe we'll never know. And then straight into episode one of series two, and I was just like, "But where's the mystery?" And I feel like she kept trying to put the mystery in there, but it was pretty open and shut. We know what happened. The interest in in the second series kind of comes from basically the why. Do you, as the listener, yeah, you know what, what kind of went on here? And and frankly, do you do you, the listener, think that this guy's been through enough? You know, he was banged up in a in a in a jail, or he was you know he was held captive, hostage, horrible things happening to him for years. Does he really need to be court-martialed? Can we not just kind of let this one lie? And that's the interest in it. But it, it wasn't the same kind of interest that for me because, you know, I, I was like, give me a mystery. Give me something I can sink my teeth into, you know, with those shady goings on. Yeah, and because this first series of Serial, which we're discussing, is true crime, I think that's why it drew in so many people. And I think that's why so many people uh, have loved and, and adored the show and downloaded it and... Sarah Koenig is now popping up in other TV shows or cameos. I think she was had a cameo in BoJack Horseman as BoJack Horseman's ringtone, saying <laughs> what you did at the start of this this podcast, Chris. Um, I just think that's what that's the thing that most people are drawn into. And if series three doesn't go back to true crime and it's another, because there's a there's an, a new podcast out at the moment, Chris, called S Town, which is again this American Life NPR. Same kind of people, not Sarah Koenig. But again... No, um, she's a producer on it, though. I yes. Think. Yeah. And the initial reviews that come out said, yeah, again, it's very worthy, it's very in-depth, but again, it's not true crime, or at least not in the same way that you might think. It's, uh-huh. it's another study of a place and a time and thing. And I just think most people are entranced by the kind of the voyeuristic, dirty, grubby, like, oh, he killed her. How did he do it? Where did he do it? And give me the give me the time by you know the minute by minute blow of what actually happened and he's lying oh i knew he's like i hate jay oh <laughs> girl he's a yeah. pot dealer yeah, but he's not that bad but he's pretty good and all this stuff yeah and i just i just think that's what people are really into i mean i like long-form journalism i read it all the time about different subjects sometimes weird subjects i don't think i would uh-huh. and it's and it, that's it's cool that serial has kind of brought that to a mainstream audience and showing that instead of two white males talking about pop culture which is 95 percent of the podcast yeah. on the internet hello <laughs> well let's just do the same as everyone else but but serial is it said well we can use it and use it uh, 
transformed journalism from web or, or, or reading, not just into radio, but into podcast, episode by episode, week by week. You can follow us as we do it. It's very interesting. It's a very new way of doing it. And that's why it won awards. And I think that plus the true crime element is what interested so many people. By the end, there were people having uh, listening parties for the season finale. I can only imagine the disappointment in all the hipster <laughs> hipster flats yeah. of uh, places like Brooklyn and East London as they got to the end of that and went, so, no ending. Yeah. <laughs> I think you can... <sighs> I mean, were you disappointed just... by the ending? Or did you just, mm. did you accept that that was how the ending was going to be and you just went along for the ride? I think I kind of went in with my eyes open, you know? I, I knew that it couldn't have just a distinct ending. And I think I think people let themselves believe it was fictional, almost. You know, there was just that, you know, because the way it's presented, the, 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 you know, the twisting and turning and the, the kind of narrative nature of it, it almost feels like we're just being told a story that's not, you know, that's not real. And therefore, we'll have an ending. But, you know, like I said, I, I knew it's real life. I know some of the realities of the legal system. I know this guy isn't, if he's out, I'd know about it, you know? So he's not getting out at the end of this, the podcast. And I was like, the only, you know, the only other way that they could definitively end it is that Sarah Koenig finds something that makes her turn and go, you know what? He did it. I am convinced. <laughs> um, but she never so... allows herself to do it, does she? She never allows herself no. really to give away her opinion other than, on the balance of probabilities, I think he should be out. So yeah. I'll give her credit for that. She never actually comes out because she has to maintain the kind of a journalistic standard. And even uh-huh. her producer, who's probably I'm I'm more on the side of kind of the logical one, mm-hmm. that says, "Well, if you tot all this up, he's pretty damn unlucky to be arrested and convicted for all of this. Like, how does this happen to one person?" What I think it it comes down to, what it kind of revolves around, is you know, without really highlighting it, that the notion, you know, we, we call it reasonable doubt. You know, you have to prove beyond any reasonable doubt that somebody has done something to convict them of a crime. And, you know, the fact is that when you've listened to everything and, you know, even beyond what was brought up in the court cases, you know, the things they found out throughout the the, the course of the podcast, logically, yes, he most likely did it. But there is an element of reasonable doubt in so much as there are just lingering questions if the state's timeline is wrong which it pretty much has to be well what what was the timeline you know and you just can't be a hundred percent sure and and that's what's kind of interesting to you know uh, to to me for the show from a sort of meta standpoint is that's kind of i think the most engaging part it's like we all kind of buy into it we all kind of come away going like well i don't know what's true but I know I can't be sure. <laughs> yeah. So how how could any of what have been, and and so that's that's kind of thing. So no, I wasn't disappointed. I was I was sad that it was over because I really enjoyed it. I engulfed it the first time I listened to it in probably about two two and a half days. Just every time one finished, I was like, oh, I've got to have another. I don't um, I don't get that at all because I was driving to work and usually I drive to work or walk or whatever with a podcast it's sports or comedy or pop culture mm-hmm. or something and i was going and listening to a murder and i knew i had to listen to this podcast as well chris eight hours of it for uh-huh. for this and to be honest with you going to work it's like oh jesus it's tuesday morning i'm going to work at seven o'clock in the morning and i'm listening to sarah koenig talking to me about cell phone towers it's amazing that i'm still alive and i didn't blow my own brains out i think you know maybe part of it as well as context and you know, what you've alluded to is 
this show is so celebrated and lauded, perhaps because it it sort of broke the mold a little bit for what podcasts were doing absolutely. at that time. You know, absolutely, hundred percent. I kind of wanted to, um, you know, I, I was halfway through the other day thinking like, well, this must be one of the earlier ones, and then I remembered back to like two thousand and five. Podcasts were a thing; they just weren't very popular. So, you know, as a medium, it's been around over ten years. Uh, you know, but it's you know, it's kind of notable for the fact that there is no set format. You can, you know, you can listen to a podcast that's just effectively a radio show about sports, but you can download it at any time, or it could be a radio show that's basically some comedians sitting and talking about something, what's going on at the moment, let's talk about that. Um, but then there's something like Serial, which just kind of comes along, and it's like, oh, well, I haven't really listened to anything like this, and it's 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 telling me a story, it's got a limited run, it's not just a constant running thing. Um, and, and, and yeah, so it was kind of, it was kind of unique at the time. Um, and also going back to, you mentioned S-Town. Um, I have, I have also listened to S-Town and, and, and quite enjoyed it. And I think that signals to me that if they ever do a third series of, of Serial, and I'm not entirely convinced they will, I, I think they'll only do it if there's another true crime thing that is 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 of a similar kind of nature to the first series because S Town could have just as easily been serial. It's the same kind of idea as the second season. It's going into the life and times of one particular person, um, right. in in sort of what you would doubtless feel was gross, <laughs> um, uh, gross detail. I, I just just as we're wrapping up, I'll, I'll just reiterate, Chris, that I. I don't have a problem with serial as a concept or as a structure. And as you said, rightly, you know, it, it broke the mold for what podcasts could be and showing that you can, you can take certain uh, pieces of journalism, which might otherwise have been a 45 minute dispatches or uh, a two page spread in a broadsheet and bang it out to eight hours worth or 12 hours worth of, of content. You could really go into it. And people like you and other, you know, millions of people around the world um, are fascinated by that and living every minute and you can't get enough. You you can't wait for the next episode. But I think it shows that in, for example, uh, series two of Serial, by the middle of it, they went bi-weekly. Mm-hmm. And they also, I think, chucked in an episode which was an update on Adnan as well. Yeah, there's a, a couple in there that are just an update yeah. on one of his appeals. And I think that they knew at that point that the season two was not going as well as series one and they had to kind of stretch it out because they didn't have, really have enough content to get into the weekly format. So it's a, it's, it's a struggle. It's just something that I don't watch on TV in real life. I don't enjoy in other podcasts or I don't actually listen to other podcasts like this. You know, I don't watch Making a Murderer either. So it's just something that we're like ships in the night. I can kind of see that it's well made, but I'm not really interested in getting on board it. Fascinating, absolutely fascinating. Well, I'm 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 glad actually, Steve, because we we discussed beforehand the notion of what what if you don't actually like this? Because we, <laughs> you know we've usually we've usually sort of seen eye to eye, even when I haven't enjoyed something so much, you've kind of not enjoyed it in the same way, because we are very similar people. Um, but you know, this, this is the first time we've kind of come across something where, you know, yeah, there's just, there's something in me that there's like, there's an itch that this kind of thing scratches, you know, I still, like I say, I still haven't watched Making a Murderer. I'll probably watch it at some point and find it probably similarly engrossing, but then I'm also aware and 
I almost don't want to look too deep into, you know, what's going on behind Serial as well, because every time I look into something like this, I always find that there's there's something more behind it. You know, I I heard that the whole making a murderer thing was actually a lot a lot of what is 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 presented in the Netflix show is bullshit or shows a very narrow part of something that's actually a lot wider. Um, well, you you already said it, Chris. So you can't be unbiased. You mm-hmm. can you bring your own biases and you just try to minimize them and say, well, this is my take on it. Um, on the Netflix show, I don't know the ins and outs of making a murderer to say, you know, but I did hear the same accusations. I think it was from some lawyers who are on the show that they were portrayed in a negative light. Yeah. And editing is always going to do that. Yeah, it is. It is at that. Okay, so let's let's wrap it up there for Serial. An unexpected... Can I say one, can I say one more thing? Please do. It's very, it's very, very brief. And then we can move on. Okay. <laughs> the music is fucking twee and I hate it. You don't no. like the music. The music's I one of my favourite parts. Genuinely. I, I thought we were, we were going to get to it in the format. I just thought, here we go. We're talking about murder. Plinky plonky music. And <laughs> all <that> stuff. And <laughs> boom. A boom. A boom. I, 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 just, I, felt, I felt like grinding my teeth when you started that tune at the start. I was like, oh. <laughs> I need to keep it together. I need to keep it together. That's right. Ooh, we're done. Oh no. Okay. No, that's <laughs> no. That's another thing. I uh, that I actually quite enjoyed about it. I I, I like the music. You know, it's because it's not that chipper. You know, it has an undertone to it. It's actually. Do you know? It's. it's do you know the title of the piece? No. It's called Bad Dream. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's such twee hipster bull. I just. Just the, the 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 little plinky plonky music as it came on, and the, some of the more serious pieces were were fine. But sometimes you get to the end of an episode, it was just like, oh, next time on serial, plinky plonky music, and I just, oh, it just it just wound me up. It wound me up. I don't know why. I did not like the music, but anyway, that's no. just, that's a small piece. It's a small piece. I, fair enough. You know, I think I think it's pro- one of the things I probably liked about the music was it was one of the many things that didn't just make it feel like the million other murder porny kind of shows that that you come across because they have a very distinct kind of soundtrack that is probably more what you're expecting but yeah okay fair cop moving on steve uh it's it's your turn gotta give me a give, give me something to watch or experience okay okay so you made me listen to an eight hour podcast so what's more than eight hours <laughs> what can i what can i force you to do in two weeks please don't make me you? watch the hobbit i just <laughs> <laughs> all three hobbit extended editions no <laughs> nobody wants to watch that because it's garbage not even peter jackson wants to watch that oh god we, we, we can well, no, no we're not going to talk about the hobbit. another time another um, time another time uh <laughs> what i would say chris uh, is that there's a classic comedy that i know you own i know i purchased it for you and i just want to hear your thoughts on it it's 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 young frankenstein it's a Mel Brooks film. You have it on Blu-ray, uh, and I want to hear what you think about it. I'm I'm quite excited, and and I think that'll make a nice a nice light palate cleanser after a sorbet to the murder porn. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, great. It's a Gene Wilder, isn't it? It is Gene Wilder. Fantastic. No, I'm I'm very excited. I can't wait to watch it and discuss it with you. Okay, folks, well, that's all for this episode, but we will be back in two weeks. In the meantime, if you wish, you can keep in touch with us. You can follow us on Twitter at OBrotherPod. 
You can like us at facebook.com slash Podcast. And finally, you can subscribe and review on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Uh, it's very important because uh, we live for feedback. We need feedback. Give us so, the love. Give us all the stars. <laughs> five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Got to be five stars. Really big. <laughs> so uh, I've been Chris. He's been Steve. And we'll see you next time. Cube plinky plonky fucking music. <laughs> do, you to, uh, do you want me to send you a file of the music so you could uh, you could outro uh, it? <laughs> no. <laughs>